Welcome to the On Your Left podcast, the politics podcast that's probably to your left. My name is Katrina Ames, and I use she-them pronouns. And I'm Nirali Chat. I use she-her pronouns. Uh, we are in your podcast feeds every Wednesday night, so be sure to hit the follow button and the subscribe button. Um, and also follow us on Twitter. Uh, we post updates there all the time um, and also have cute new social media videos that I put a lot, a lot of effort into making. So do that. And if you would like to help us make this podcast even better by... Uh, financially supporting us so we can get Nerali the Adobe Creative Cloud, you can go to patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. Like, y'all don't want to know my workflow to make these little videos. It is absurd, but it is all free. (laughs) You can also visit our bookshop.org website. We just updated it with a bunch of Katrina's favorite books. Um, So definitely check out our bookshop.org profile. All right. Uh, what are we talking about today, Nirali? So today we're talking about uh, disability um, and everything going on in terms of disability. Um, it's in the news right now because um, disabled students aren't getting necessary accommodations that are required by law. Um, and also, like, disabled people are typically more at risk uh, for COVID. And it's a lot of stuff that is very stressful. Um, Everyone is stressed right now, but uh, the world is even more stressful for disabled people. And I guess I just want to say at the top that I am considered able-bodied, and most of my experience with a disability comes from having a blind mother, uh and getting into the disability community and disability rights activism through that. Yeah. Um, I am mentally disabled. I have ADHD, so um, that is a... I think it's classified as a learning disability. I think let's start by talking about uh, disabled students who aren't getting the accommodations they need by law as we switch to remote learning or partially remote, partially in-person learning or whatever is going on in any school district in this country, who even knows? Yeah, because school districts individually had to decide what their game plan was because there was no guidance. Some some states gave guidance at the state level, but like nothing, nothing federally. So the reason why... Um, this is particularly important for disabled students. Many disabled students get um, these individualized education plans or IEPs that are planned out uh, typically by teachers and parents. Uh, But right now, um, teachers and parents are unable to meet their needs. Some people need really hands-on learning um, and they usually have like people sometimes have extra aides or mentors specifically for this disabled students in the class and things like that. And um, that's just not accessible right now. But Katrina, you know, you have more uh, personal experience with this. So um, if you want to talk about like what I like how IEPs go. Um. 
at the beginning of every school year, I would go to the elementary school with my mother for a meeting on one of my younger brothers who had a regular speech therapy as part of his IEP, but my public school uh, didn't necessarily have the resources to create the IEP in Braille for my mother, or had anyone who would even know how to do that. So I usually went to the meetings as well um, and helped review the material and the individual attention that my brother would need. And we would also review the progress that he had made uh, in the previous year and what they were hoping to work on him with him this year. Although everybody in the meeting I think wanted the best for my brother, there wasn't always agreement on what that would be. Uh, and I liked, I mean, I think my brother had great teachers in elementary school. I liked his speech therapist. I think my mom was also trying to, you know, get the best for her son, but it was hard and emotional to figure out what that was, how we could best accommodate him, how we could help him grow emotionally and socially and intellectually while also making sure he got the help that he needed, and this was for a relatively minor thing. And right now, I'm sure that the treatment is even harder uh, to work out how to best help these students because that is everyone's goal. Everybody wants to make sure that kids are getting the right education and quality education. Yeah, there's a really amazing article um, by Nicole Chung uh, outlining her experience um, with IEP uh, in regards to her son um, and like dealing with that even just last year compared to now and um, how much more difficult it is um, today. Uh, it's a really incredibly written article, um, and it's, yeah, I feel like creating an IEP is such an, it, creating an IEP is such an important thing for students, uh, who have disabilities, um, and I just wish it was easier, um, now, especially because now uh, some students uh, have parents who are trying to take care of a million other things. Um, some of them have lost their jobs because of COVID. Some of them have COVID. Um, it's Life is just infinitely harder for everyone right now. And um, this is something that is being, it, that's just fallen to the wayside because there are other things happening, but that doesn't mean it's not important, and that doesn't mean disabled students don't deserve a quality education. Yeah. And IEPs are also usually only available to students who have a formal diagnosis. Yes. Um, which means you can have a disability. Uh, you could be neurodivergent, for example. You were diagnosed with ADHD in college, and I just really suspect that I have <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I never had... I never uh, got a chance to even 
develop an education plan for myself um, growing up, and I just struggled. Um, and there are a lot of kids who are ju- who are struggling even more because they don't have a formal diagnosis and aren't able to get the help they need. Um, and yeah, it's just worse for everyone. <laughs> yep. I was uh, very lucky to live in the school district that I live in. Uh, my mom specifically moved us to this school district to be just outside of the less well-funded city school district. Mm-hmm. Um, and that meant we could get a lot of accommodations and get really great teachers. Uh, one of my friends, who's like, I don't know, five six years younger than me he was actually like my younger brother's friend only up until a couple of years ago (laughs) um but he was diagnosed with adhd last year and i remember specifically some teachers would let him come in early or after school on test days to have extra time because all of the teachers even without a formal diagnosis absolutely recognized that this kid had adhd wow oh man that's amazing um, and he was, like, a good kid who yeah. was willing to, like, come in early or stay late if he, it meant he, he wanted could just to, try. Yeah, he wanted to, he just wanted a chance to do well. And that's what a lot of disabled kids aren't getting right now. They're not even getting the chance to perform at their best. Yeah. Like, there are online exams with time limits that don't actually work if you need extra time on tests mm-hmm. or eye-tracking programs on assignments, which also don't work well if you have any kind of disability that, you know, makes eye contact unnecessary, like if you use a screen reader, Mm -hmm. or uh, if you just have trouble focusing on one thing, as I am right now having literally two computers set up with my microphone (laughs) so that I can watch Norali and look at the outline at the same time. I would absolutely fail every assignment. Yeah, um, I, uh, I just look at other, th- sometimes looking somewhere else helps me focus. That's, <laughs> like, I can't, if I stare at words too long, if I, if I'm, like, I will just end up staring at a paragraph and not absorbing a single word not absorb a single word. Like, that's... That's what our disability... Like, that's what ADHD is, and it sucks that they have to deal with this. Of course, this is literally all happening because of the pandemic that our government has just decided to not work on ending, it feels like. Yeah, they they've just decided not to not to do anything about it. I feel like they think it'll just run its course. That's not how pandemics work. People die. Over 200,000 people have died already just in the United States and that is way way too many people. Mhm. It's not just disabled students that um are struggling right now uh because of COVID. Many disabled people are more at risk for COVID than able-bodied people. Um, If you have a physical disability, if you have a chronic illness, um, you are just far more at risk uh, for 
getting COVID. And uh, you're also more at risk of complications. And a lot of people don't really know what we mean when we say, like, a disability like that. Like, we mean asthma, we mean high blood pressure, uh, we mean having, like, heart condition and diabetes, like, so many things. And you probably know someone who has one of these pre-existing conditions. Because you know people with medical histories and disabilities and problems. Which is why some people um, that I just know through Twitter, like, just haven't left the house since March. Other than to maybe take a walk around their block and get a little bit of fresh air. And there's also this really, really uh, scary ideology that's been permeating during the pandemic that... uh, the deaths of disabled people don't matter uh, because they already had what they're calling, you know, comorbidities or because they had something that made them more likely to have a complication. They were living a less good life. Um, and that's Nazi shit. Maybe, um, maybe instead of letting people die because they have a less good life, try improving their lives. Isn't that an idea? Yeah. I don't necessarily, like, ascribe to, like, the medical theory of disability. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But I don't think that we get to decide which lives are valuable or are more valuable than other people. Because then you slide into eugenics. And that's what, um, people seem to believe, um, in terms of this pandemic. I remember at the very beginning, uh... People were like, well, it only affects disabled people and people with pre-existing conditions and old people. So, like, everyone else is fine, which, first of all, is not true. It affects everyone. Um, And second of all, uh, old people matter. Um, Disabled people matter. People with chronic illnesses matter. (laughs) Like, their, their lives are still worth something. We still want them to live. What a jump these people made, too. I think, like, the first time I read that, I was just confused as to how that was even a belief a person could have. And it's weird that everyone was, like, just okay with people dying. That's a really weird choice to make, like, morally and ethically and just as a human being because you everybody's met an old person before or people were prioritizing their own um comfort level and enjoyment over um someone else's life on the one hand i'm glad that uh states have been enforcing mask mandates and uh ensuring that people at the very least wear a mask when they go into like grocery stores where Everyone needs to go to help try to reduce the spread of this disease. Uh, But masks also have some problems. If someone is deaf or hard of hearing and um, they uh, partially rely on lip reading to communicate, um, it's very difficult for them unless uh, someone has a uh, see-through plastic mask of some sort um, so that someone is able to lip read um and most i don't think i like i don't think i've seen anyone in real life with a see-through mask unfortunately yeah not everyone knows asl um or other kinds of 
sign language. Um, and yeah, this just makes life more difficult for them. It's also been difficult, uh, I guess, with these mask mandates because some people have decided uh, if they don't want to wear a mask, they can just say that they have a health condition that forbids them and tell people that it's against the ADA to stop them from coming into the store, which is not what the ADA does by any measure. Uh, but it also makes it more difficult for people with actual disabilities. That does make it difficult for them to wear a mask for health reasons. Because you can't tell them apart from the people who just don't care about other people. Um, yeah, the only way that I've seen that you can actually tell is that the people who are faking it make these fraudulent cards that claim they're, like, from the ADA or some sort of, like, official-sounding association. Um, which the ADA, ADA is not an association or, or an organization within the government. It's an act. It's just a law. It's, um, but, and it's a law that people break all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, these fakers, like, have these little cards that, like, claim that, uh, they don't need to do this, um, thing that, uh, will save people's lives. Having, like, seen my whole life how poorly people uh, with disabilities are treated, I don't know why anyone would pretend to be disabled. Yeah. Like, it, it makes zero sense. Uh, like, I have seen my adult mother get talked to like she was, like, a five-year-old. Yeah. And I I don't know why any, any adult would want that. Able-bodied people and able-minded people, or neurotypical people, believe that the accommodations that are made for disabled people are an unfair advantage for disabled people and they want that yeah. meanwhile it's an accommodation to level the playing so i think a lot of accommodations fall into the social model of disability which i'm just going to take a minute to explain because mm -hmm. it's a really fast analogy listeners please pretend for a minute that we all wake up tomorrow and everyone in the world knows how to fly suddenly, except for you. And for the most part, your life doesn't change. Uh, I mean, sure, some people have started like flying to the grocery store, but you can still walk. You can still drive. Uh, maybe, you know, some of your friends can fly up to reach that thing on the really high shelf, but stepladders still exist, and it's not like they've gone away. But suddenly, a new building has been opened, a uh, new public school, maybe the ones that your kids go to, or the one that you're supposed to go to, and they don't build any stairs or an elevator. They just have this open chute between the first and second floor, because it would have been really expensive to build stairs when everyone's just going to fly up to the second floor, or it just really would have increased the electricity bill if to put in an elevator when everyone can just fly to the second floor. It doesn't seem to make any sense because most of the population uh, can safely reach the second floor of that building because everyone knows how to fly, except for you. And when you are expected to exist in that building where you cannot reach things that you need, that's when you become disabled. Because that's when the world has become 
built for a level of accessibility that is not accessible to you. I really like that analogy. So there's also been some discussion of as voting uh, when you have a disability during the pandemic. Uh, just the fact that a lot of people are scared to do in-person voting, but they might not necessarily be able to have a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot because, you know, in Texas, for example, fear of contracting COVID-19 is not a acceptable reason to uh, request an absentee ballot. You want to know a fun number? Um, I don't think this number is fun. It's not a fun number. Um, in America, according to um, researchers at Rutgers University, more than uh, 38 million eligible voters have disabilities. Um, and 38 million people uh, is more than 16% of the electorate. Um, that is almost equivalent to the entire population of California. Um, and that includes uh, 21.3 million eligible voters with mobility disabilities that make it difficult for them to perhaps go to polling sites and cast their vote. Um, 13.1 million with cognitive disabilities, um, which could range from anything like uh, ADHD like me to someone who is unable to understand what the ballot says uh, in front of them. Um, and then they wouldn't be able to cast an informed vote. Uh, 11... 0.6 million with hearing disabilities and 7 million with visual disabilities and many of these voters fall into multiple categories uh, because uh, having one dis I feel like having one disability just makes you far more likely to have another but I mean that's just me saying that I don't know that for sure but it feels that way yeah I will say a lot of um disabilities that are caused by specific diseases or accidents that could happen often cause you to have multiple disabilities. It's not that unusual. And a lot of people feel as though mail-in voting is the solution to most of these problems, which yes, it's great for people um, who have mobility issues. Um, it's great for people who need to take more time uh, to read the ballot than um, just going to a uh, polling location would allow you because of lines and people are waiting behind you and you want to kind of make it quick. Uh, but um, mail-in voting won't allow everyone with a disability to vote. Um, and uh, this is from a New York Times article. Uh, Joanne Wolf, who uh, is 64 years old and uh, lives, in, lives in Cincinnati, uh, missed an election because she... Uh, couldn't find an accessible way to vote in the Ohio primary. Um, she has multiple sclerosis and didn't feel safe voting in person, uh, but she can't write by hand or sign an absentee ballot. Um, and when she uh, completed one by uh, signing it with a stamp uh, that had her signature on it, it was rejected. So, um, yeah, it... Like, mail-in, I feel like if you are able to uh, 
send in a mail-in or absentee ballot, do it. Um, but it still doesn't solve all of our problems. Okay, let's let's think about um, other uh, really important things that we want to discuss in terms of uh, disability in America. Disabled people have to choose between receiving benefits and remaining in poverty or making just above poverty level wages and losing their benefits, um, which is, it's just so, it's such a bizarre thing, but it is a thing in this country um, where like, if you make a certain amount of money, you are no longer eligible for disability benefits, uh, but you still can't afford anything. Uh, and when we say disability benefits, we also mean healthcare. Yeah. The healthcare system in America is really bad. It's really bad and expensive. Uh, so being disabled and losing your insurance because you have, oh god, I don't remember the number. But let's say because you have a couple thousand dollars in your bank account is not a choice you should be making. A couple thousand dollars isn't enough to live on. Uh, you also lose your benefits if you get married to someone who is not disabled, regardless of the income that that person makes. So if I'm working a minimum wage job, um, as, like if I were completely not disabled and I was working a minimum wage job and I married someone who was uh, disabled um, and uh, was eligible to receive benefits, they would no longer be eligible to receive benefits from the government, including health care. Yes, they would lose their benefits. Ah. <laughs> uh, if they are able to work a few hours a week, if they make too much money through, like, selling sweaters on Etsy or, uh, really anything, if they get married, yeah. it's just, it's, they lose their benefits, including their health care. Um, so... That takes away a disabled person's right to get married, um, basically. It also contributes uh, to the fact that in America, if you are disabled, you are more likely to be abused because having lost your benefits puts you in a position where you are entirely dependent upon your spouse, regardless of the character of your spouse. Yeah. And you might stay in a relationship that is bad for you, um, where you are being hurt, because leaving is just too hard. And even if you're being abused, you know you would die outside of that relationship because of the way our system is structured. And that's wrong. Also, uh, it's incredibly difficult to apply for social security disability benefits in the first place. Um, they make you jump through many, many hoops. Uh, people who think that uh, it's easy to fake a disability and get benefits um, are wrong. <laughs> and even then, even after you've proven all of it, there is still a five-month waiting period for Social Security disability income, and a two-year waiting period for Medicare. Um, and heaven forbid your uh, earnings, your monthly earnings are more than $1,260 a month. Um, 
you wouldn't you wouldn't get those benefits. You wouldn't receive anything. Twelve hundred sixty dollars a month. That's not a lot of money. So basically, the system forces you to be in poverty in order to receive basic accommodations uh, for your health needs. Um, doesn't let you get married because you would lose those accommodations if you happened to marry someone who isn't disabled um, and also on benefits. And uh, it's a pain and a half to even apply to get benefits in the first place. I hate it. It is truly a broken system. It is a broken system where, in addition to all of this, disabled people are legally allowed to be paid below the minimum wage. So, this this NPR headline says, uh, Workers with disabilities can earn just $3.34 an hour. I just want to assure everyone, uh that things aren't magically less expensive because you have a disability. A box of cereal will cost the same, regardless of your ability status. Housing is usually more expensive because a lot of housing isn't accessible. <laughs> accessible housing, uh, in addition to not being a guarantee most of the time, is also more expensive, usually. The person we have endorsed, uh, for the president of the United States right now, um, has some solutions. Joe Biden. He's our first choice now. That he is. I think it's really great that this plan isn't focusing on what Donald Trump has done to destroy the system that we have, because the system overall wasn't great. Uh, it's really focusing on how we can expand disability rights and ensure that people are actually able to participate in our society. Yeah, that's great. Like, obviously, Biden's going to need to reverse a lot of what Trump did in order to get to the place to put forth these policies. Um, but he is determined to make things better um, rather than just fix things, which is fantastic. So there are a few major things that Joe Biden wants to do. Um but I think we're going to start with the plans that he has made to ensure full inclusion of people with disabilities in policy development and aggressively enforce the civil rights of people with disabilities. Personally, I don't actually use person-first language in my day-to-day -day life. Uh, it, just, it never made sense to me because my mom's not a person with blindness. She's just a blind person. She's just a blind person. But Joe Biden does, and I don't really want to get into it. Yeah, I feel like that is a conversation for not right now. In order to ensure that people with disabilities are included in policy development, uh, Biden wants to create a senior position in the White House dedicated to the disability community uh, and engagement with the disability community and policy coordination. And I think that's great. Because a lot of laws are written with able-bodied people in mind, and they don't uh, always see how it would affect the disability community or how it will affect disabled people. And that can be lead to huge harm being done unintentionally. So uh, Biden also wants to 
aggressively enforce existing civil rights laws for people with disabilities, um, including working with Congress to pass legislation ensuring adherence to the Supreme Court's Olmstead decision. Olmstead decision requires government programs to provide people with disabilities the choice to live, work, and receive services in integrated settings appropriate to their needs. For a really long time in like all of human history, people with disabilities are just kind of put away uh, and just kept at home and nobody ever talks about them. And it was just this, it was not legal segregation, but this population of people did exist outside of the rest of society because we made our society inaccessible to them. And we made a decision via the Supreme Court to stop doing that for government programs, at least. So Biden would also safeguard against efforts to weaken the ADA and push for strong ADA compliance. It's, it's the Americans with Disabilities Act that is an act that businesses and um, the government should comply with. Um, not everyone does. Uh, that allows for uh, more accessibility. A lot of progress has been made to achieve accommodations for people through the ADA. This law really puts it on disabled people to advocate for themselves in order to get those basic accommodations mm -hmm. uh, and to get places to be accessible. And I don't think it should be on disabled people to fight within the system to get access to the system. I think that's really on everyone else to make sure things are accessible. And that's not how the ADA works. Joe Biden also wants to nominate judges who support disability rights and reflect the diversity of the country, which is... Joe Biden, I am so sick of the phrase reflect the diversity of our country. There's only so many times you can read a stump speech line. So let's talk about uh, something else. So Biden also wants to direct the U.S. Department of Justice to review guardianship laws. Lots of people who are tuned into pop culture and not politics are probably familiar with guardianship laws through Britney Spears and everything she's going through. Yeah, um, guardianship laws in when it comes to disabled people is um, just... I, I don't even know what the word for it. It's like someone can sink their talons into you and just keep them there. Disabled people are more likely to experience abuse, uh, including financial abuse. Part of that is guardianship laws, because people with disabilities aren't able to exercise, you know, self-determination or really speak for themselves if somebody is appointed as their legal guardian, even if that pers disabled person is an adult. It's draconian. That's the word I was looking for. It's draconian. I'm glad that the Biden administration wants to promote efforts to provide people with disabilities alternatives to guardianship if they need help with the decision-making process. The system that we have now is way, way too easy to abuse, and even if it helps some people, there is a way to help some people without harming a whole bunch of other people in a system where it is very easy 
for bad people to be put in control of vulnerable populations. And uh, speaking of um, Brittany not being in control of when she can see her kids, uh, Biden also wants to protect the parental rights of people with disabilities. Yeah, so my parents went through a pretty messy divorce, and it was a lot. Um, and a lot of state laws allow a parent's disability to be considered in making a determination regarding whether that person is fit to be a parent. Don't necessarily think that either of my parents are good parents, <laughs> but like my mom's not a bad parent because she's blind. She's a bad parent because she's emotionally unavailable, like a bunch of other moms I know. <laughs> I'm glad that in your case, uh, the judge didn't seem to um, put too much into the fact that your mother was blind. So Biden also wants to fully implement the Help America Vote Act, um, which includes a section that requires voting systems be accessible for people with disabilities. There are like a lot of things that would make it better uh, on the Help America Vote Act, like providing more accessible voting information, um, training more poll workers, creating more accommodations for people voters and disabled voters but it also does things like but he also wants to you know make sure we end discriminatory state voter identification laws because a lot of people's state ids are their driver's license and let me tell you my blind mom doesn't have one of those <laughs> but like we can also do things like implementing same day voter registration or uh, registering online or voting by mail and early voting and those would all no those would all help disabled people but those things would also help everyone because it in would it help enfranchise more people in our democracy exactly biden also wants to immediately revoke the trump administration's public charge rule which discriminates against immigrants with disabilities. The public charge rule uh, basically says that an immigrant can be denied a visa uh, or their residency status because they use or could use in the future public services uh, like those available to the poor, the disabled, uh, just basic things like how, you know, how a bunch of people very suddenly had to start going to food banks this year after we all lost our jobs. Mm -hmm. All of those people would now be considered a public charge and would have been denied entry to our country because of it. And I don't think we should be denying immigration based on disability status. Uh, and I don't think we should also force people who are disabled to forgo necessary medical services in order to be granted a visa or their residency status. Am I biased in this because my blind mother is an immigrant? Maybe, but also it's just wrong. Yeah. Just quick trigger warning for the next like minute or so. Uh, I'm just going to be talking about some sexual assault things and violence. From 2009 to 2015, people with disabilities were twice as likely to be victims of violent victimizations as people without disabilities, 
Women with disabilities on college campuses report higher rates of sexual assault relative to those without a disability, and people with intellectual disabilities are sexually assaulted at a rate of seven times higher than those without disabilities. All of that is wrong, just is wrong, um, and that's why the Biden administration is going to end the rules that Trump and Secretary DeVos put uh, and their new rules that completely undermine Title IX protections for students and strengthen and expand the Violence Against Women Act. Because, oh my god, have we just made things so much worse for everyone. Cool, cool. And now we're not going to talk about that anymore so that people can rejoin the episode if they skipped ahead. Joe Biden wants to guarantee access to high-quality, affordable health care, including mental health care, super important, and expand access to home and community-based services and long-term service and support in integrated settings appropriate to each person's needs and based on self-determination. That self-determination is super important. Yeah, there are a couple points under uh, his plan to help disabled people get access to like high quality affordable health care. We already made a full episode on health care, so we're just kind of go through the bullet points because yes, Biden does want to expand access to high quality affordable health care. He has a health care plan to build on the ACA and eventually achieve universal coverage. But we've talked about that. Yeah. We also discussed in the healthcare episode a little bit, I believe, about standing up to um, prescription drug corporations, um, because uh, generally speaking, um, they make good stuff and do bad things. Yep. Oh, I didn't know this part. Um, he also wants to lower healthcare costs for people with disabilities and their families. Um, people with disabilities generally have higher healthcare costs because the way that we have to medically treat a lot of disabilities in order to ensure that people can live good, long, healthy lives. Um, so it's this plan relies a lot on the ways that Biden is planning to lower healthcare costs for all Americans. Um, you know. But what I really liked about this plan is that Biden adopted Senator Warren's plan to fix our bankruptcy system and give people a second chance because this plan would allow people with unmanageable debt, including medical debt, to more easily obtain relief through the bankruptcy system. And I just think that's good. That's really good, especially because medical debt is something no one can help. You know, you can't control whether or not you get cancer and whether or not you have to go into severe debt to receive treatment for that cancer. Um, so that's really important. Um, Biden wants to ensure non-discrimination in access to healthcare, um, which is important, although vague. Yeah, um, it is, it is vague. It is vague. Basically, Biden wants to ensure that anything that is funded uh, by the Health and Human Services Office doesn't 
deny medical care to anyone based on their disability or age. And that's also included in laws like the Americans with Disability Act, uh, the Affordable Care Act, and the Rehabilitation Act. It's just about kind of doing more and letting the um, Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights actually do things. Great. Great. <laughs> this is a good thing. Biden wants to ensure access to quality mental and behavioral health treatment. Um, extremely important. Yep. I think that's just a super basic thing. We can't act like mental health care isn't important or like our brains aren't an important part of our body. Also talked about this in the healthcare episode. We might do a full episode on mental health one day. Beyond uh, healthcare specific uh, disability needs, um, Biden wants to ensure that students with disabilities have access to educational programs uh, like IEPs um, and support they need to succeed uh, from early intervention to post post secondary education. Um, really important because uh, once you go to college, you no longer uh, have your parents meeting with your teachers to create an IEP. Because we talked a little bit about expanding what they call competitive integrated employment opportunities for people with disabilities. Uh, and that basically means two big things that we've already touched on a little bit. Um, that we safeguard workers' rights to workplace accommodations and equal employment opportunities, and that we completely phase out the sub-minimum wage based on disability, and Biden is going to work with Congress to ensure that there is funding for impacted employees with disabilities to receive support in competitive and integrated work settings, which means they will be paid a fair wage for their work and not be paid $3 for their labor. And 34 cents. And that 34 cents. <laughs> 334. Yeah, and I think that also ties into how he wants to kind of protect and strengthen economic security for people with disabilities. Because like we said, it is a broken system. Biden would set a federal benefit rate of at least 100% of the poverty level and also uh, eliminating the ridiculous waiting periods uh, for um, uh, social security disability benefits and Medicare. You know, it's, it's very basic things. Biden wants to reform the supplemental security program, uh, which is how a lot of disabled people receive benefits so that it doesn't limit beneficiaries' freedom to marry, save, or live where they choose. Very basic stuff. You shouldn't lose your benefits uh, or your health care based on if you have more than, what was that number, $1,260 a month in income or because you got married or anything like that. People still need help. We shouldn't deny them help. Biden also wants to uh, expand access to accessible, integrated, and affordable housing, transportation, and assistive technologies um, and protect people with disabilities in emergencies, which feels like a different thing. But um, it's uh, transportation is a huge one. Um, Katrina, your blind mother can't drive. Um, 
she probably uh, needs access to good transportation. There is a, definitely a reason we live in a city, and it is completely so we have the infrastructure of a public transportation system. Mm-hmm. We need that, and we need more public transportation systems everywhere else, because disabled people make up like one-fifth of this country. And Biden also wants to um, advance global disability rights. Um, he wants to promote human rights and advance the inclusion of people with disabilities through diplomacy and development abroad. Uh, he wants to work to ratify the Disabilities Treaty, which I'm now Googling. So in 2009, the United States signed the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which in a lot of ways reflected at least the principles of the Disabilities Act. The Senate hasn't ratified that treaty, apparently? Nope. The Senate doesn't it's do a like, lot of things. It's been 11 years. Like, I feel like the this part of the plan that's about advancing global disability rights is very sparse. But also, we signed a treaty 11 years ago and haven't ratified it yet, so... You know what? Maybe the rest of the world is on its own because we clearly have not gotten our stuff together. Please uh, vote with disabled people in mind uh, when you're looking at the Senate races on November 3rd. Or before that, if you're voting early or voting by mail. Alright, let's move on to how we can act. Um, I think we should do the more urgent thing first yep. uh, instead of our usual calls about the election. So. Narali, what's the urgent thing that we all need to do right now? We will talk more specifically about this next week, but it's very important that you do this right now. Uh, the Supreme Court will rule on the Affordable Care Act's fate a week after the election. One week. Um, please call your senators and ask them to follow the precedent set in 2016 and wait until after the next presidential inauguration to confirm a new Supreme Court justice, um, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, the new nominee for the Supreme Court, has made it very clear that she does oppose the Affordable Care Act. Please ask your senators if they are really prepared to nominate someone who would overturn something that 7 out of 10 Americans support. 70% of America likes the Affordable Care Act. Um, ask them if they are willing to have more than 20 million people lose their health insurance during a pandemic. This, it, this is so, ugh, gosh, it's horrifying. Um, please call your senators. I just called my senator who is on the Senate Judiciary Committee, um, and, uh, which means he is going to, uh, be questioning Amy Coney Barrett. Um, so especially if your senator is on the Senate Judiciary Committee, um, the current candidate for vice president is also on there, so pay attention to her. Um, yeah, call, call, call. Um, yep. All right, if you are not sure, I'm just going to read off the members of the Judiciary Committee real quick if you're not sure if yours is on it. All right, we're going to read the Republicans first. The chairman is Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, 
There is also Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, Senator John Cornyn of Texas, Michael S. Lee of Utah, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, who's probably really sad that he didn't get nominated, <laughs> Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska, Senator Joshua D. Hawley of Missouri, Amos, Missouri, right? Yeah. Okay. Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa, Iowa people, bother both of your senators. Senator Mike Crapo of Idaho, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, and Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, who I cannot stress this enough, does not think we can change our constitution because she apparently has never heard of constitutional amendments. Also, Taylor Swift hates her. You know what? That's important. Taylor Swift does hate her. We have a lot of Taylor Swift fans in this listening audience. (laughs) The Democrats who are on the Judiciary Committee, we have Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont, Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, Senator Christopher Coons of Delaware, Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey, Senator Kamala Harris of California. Please call them. If they're on the judiciary, it is super important you reach out to them now. Call all of your senators. Extra homework if those are one of your senators. Um, Especially if they are Republican and they were in the Senate when... The Republican-run Senate denied Merrick Garland um, a trial because uh, it was the year of an election. It was like eight months before an election year, before the election, and they refused to uh, put through this Supreme Court nomination. It is a few weeks before the election, and uh, they seem to be more than willing to appoint this judge. Call them. Call them out on their hypocrisy. We have a little bit of time to make this work. We need you to act now. We need you to act fast. We need you to get bother them every day if you can. Get your friends involved in bothering them and calling them. It's very, very urgent. We're going to be talking more about this next week, but you need to start taking action now. All right, in slightly less urgent, but still urgent news. <laughs> On the day that this is posted, we will be 34 days away from the general election. If you are listening to this when it is posted on September 30th, it's almost October, which, wow, that happened fast. And depending on where you live, you may have already received your mail-in ballot or have done in-person early voting and or have those things available to you, which means it's time to get out the vote. Personally, I have already mailed back my mail-in ballot in the special secrecy envelope that we now need to have in Pennsylvania. Nice. To make our vote count, which, mm, a whole other thing. (laughs) But look, it is time to get out the vote. Getting out the vote is the most important part of the campaign season, so please make sure you vote. Check in on your disabled friends, um, and make sure that they have the accommodations they need to vote. Um, that's really important, as we said before. How how big of the how much of the electorate are they? Sixteen percent. Sixteen percent of the electorate. Check in on your disabled friends. Um, if you 
and make sure that they are able to vote and also have a plan to vote um, and help them vote if that's possible. Yeah, if they need to ride the polls because in-person voting is what's available to them and what they want to do, great. See if you can offer it. If they need you to drop off their mail-in ballot, great. Offer to do it. Find, like, a local campaign to volunteer with. If you live in, like, an incredibly blue state, maybe pick a swing state to volunteer with. Talk to your community. Make sure that every single decent person you know is going to be a voter in 2020. We've had this call to action every single week for, like, the past 18 weeks. (laughs) But please do it. No, it's crunch time. We're about a month away. It's crunch time. We have to get this vote out. Yeah, this countdown is getting very stressful for me. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to some good things. There are some good things. Uh, in Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia Housing Action has claimed victory after a six-month direct action campaign and has forced the city to relinquish 50 vacant homes to a community land trust. It has been the largest self-organized housing takeover in the country, with 50 homeless mothers and children being able to remain in 15 vacant city-owned homes. That's huge. I truly believe that we can, like, fix the housing crisis if we are determined enough to do it. Philadelphia Housing Action clearly is. And I, I just... And a time when we're encouraging everyone to stay home when we want people to be able to stay safe both during the pandemic and the upcoming winter months because a pennsylvania winter is rough like we we need people to have housing and actions like this are successful like this just changed the lives of so many families that's so important it may seem pretty small um, but it's huge to these families. What's your good news? <laughs> My good news is very silly. Um, w- this has been a very heavy episode. Um, so, um, I highly recommend, um, taking a couple minutes out of your day, um, to, uh, listen to a new song by, um, now musician Vin Diesel. Um, it is a pretty good song. Um, if if you don't know, Vin Diesel is a is an actor um, who has been in like all of the Fast and Furious movies, um, and he's now singing. Uh, the pandemic got, gave us uh, t- Taylor Swift's folklore, and it also gave us this. It's a song called "Feel Like I Do" by Vin Diesel, and it's kind of a vibe. I enjoy it. Um, it's a good song. <laughs> I am just hearing about it now. I googled it while you were talking about it, and the first thing that came up was an article that says, Vin Diesel dropped a su- surprise single, and it slaps? Yeah, it, it's confusing because, like, it, it kind of reminds me of 2014 pop house music. Like, do you remember that moment when, like, house music was really in? Yeah. Like, Swedish House Mafia sort of thing. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that, but with, like, a 2020 update? 
I don't know. It's good. I like it. I'm just very confused. Um, so what is our mango fact this week? Um, our mango fact this week is that, uh, mango is a really healthy food for those who are deficient in iron, which I am. Um, vitamin C helps the body absorb iron, specifically, uh, non-heme iron, which I think means not blood iron, um, which is found in food, such as peas, beans, and fortified fortified grains, um, so that's a good thing. Mango it, mango helps you uh, absorb iron, which um, is really good for me. Because <laughs> I am iron deficient. That is good. Yeah. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you want to find me on the internet, you can find me at Katrina Ames on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok. Where can we find you, Norelli? You can find me at Firewood Sparkler on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Um, you can also find uh, the podcast's Twitter at OnYourLeftPod. Um, and we also have an Instagram. Go to Instagram.com slash OnYourLeftPod or open the app because you're probably not an old like me who prefers Instagram on the computer. You could also support us by going to Patreon.com slash OnYourLeftPod if you have the means to do so. Throw us a dollar once a month we would super appreciate it every little bit helps and uh, if you want to purchase some books what is our bookshop.org like bookshop.org slash shop slash on your left pod we have excellent book recommendations for you yeah uh i feel like my list has is like really great for escapism and your list is really good if you want to like be really engaged in things and then the stuff mentioned that's mentioned on the show is, like, when we did our books episode, we were like, this is all purely escapism and fun times. Hey, this has been the On Your Left podcast on disability rights. Thank you so much for joining us, and you'll hear from us next week. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a great week. Please, please call your senator.